Hello, and welcome to the Classicist Podcast. I'm your host, Troy Senek, here, of course, with Victor Davis Hansen, the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution. And Victor, turning today to the controversy of the hour, which is this outpouring of protest in the NFL. We've been living for about a year now with this trend of football players who will take a knee during the national anthem that started last year with Colin Kaepernick, and then it started occurring on a much larger scale this weekend after President Trump, uh, first in a speech and then later on Twitter, went after this practice saying that these players should be fired or that they should be suspended and that fans should be boycotting the game over this practice. And not only in reaction did you have more players participating, but you also had them sort of escalating the situation. You had a few teams yesterday who didn't even come out on the field for the national anthem. So focusing on the player side instead of the Trump side here initially, the ostensible purpose of them taking a knee is to protest racial inequity in the United States. How effectively do you think that message is being conveyed through these protests? Not at all. It's boomeranging, and it's having the opposite effect, as we can see, through decreased viewership and poor attendance at their Sunday games. And if you go around the roundtable of each participant in the NFL, it's sort of that it's sort of disheartening. Donald Trump pulled off a scab and the wound underneath is pretty bad. I mean, the commissioner says that it's a, a sign of unity and yet it's or, that's an Orwellian assertion because we see fewer people coming to the games and, and booing uh, uh, the players, uh, those who, who do, and fewer audience share, smaller audience share. The corporate establishment that owns these teams are not Al Davis, entrepreneur, uh, lone Raiders, uh, tycoons, they're sort of mealy-mouth establishment types along the Facebook-Google model that everybody's sort of getting tired of with their platitude, politically correct platitudes. The players are the most co- highly compensated people in the United States, and uh, the idea that they're suffering some grievance is is sort of insane. And what grievance that is, they haven't articulated other than racial disparity. What racial disparity, what area, what's the cause, that's never articulated. It'd be much more intellectually honest if they just said, you know, inner city violence is at an all-time high in Baltimore and Chicago. We're going to tiff 10% of our ample salaries to contribute to uh, ending gang violence or something. But instead, it's just symbolic, iconic. The NFL thinks that they're viewership is young and hip and cool. It's not. It's red state uh, middle America that uh, probably voted more for Donald Trump than it did Hillary Clinton. They don't like it, and they're going to turn off their own base, which you never do in either sports (laughs) or politics. Even ESPN uh, market shares down because this idea that young hipsters are going to be snarky and edgy and they're going to turn into social justice commentators. They don't have the intellectual aptitude or experience for it. They come off as sort of a pathetic Gandhi or Aristotle, and people just don't like to be lectured to. And I think it's all resulted in a a colossal pushback. On the other side of this, Victor, even amongst those who share the president's distaste for the protest, there were some folks who felt like he overstepped his bounds by wading into this issue and by doing it in such a combative fashion. Where do you come down on that question? Well, I've been a critical of Barack Obama when he weighed in on an ongoing criminal trial of Trevon Martin or, or Professor Gates. I thought that was improper. So I don't, I don't like presidents weighing in on sort of trivial matters. 
uh, much less doing so with sort of expletives, as, as he did with SOB when he referred to an anonymous person as an son of a bitch. But that said, politically, short-term and tactically, he probably uh, rallies his base and reminds America just how crazy things have become. Strategically and long-term, he can't continue to do this. He's got to drop it now and move on to something else because he's facing existential crisis with Iran, North Korea, China. He's got domestic challenges with uh, Obamacare reform, tax reform, and immigration. So uh, he can't go down that cul-de-sac. He's got to get back on track. I think he probably will. One of the sort of raging debates ever since the Kaepernick controversy began is the the so-called stick-to-sports argument. This is the new iteration of what used to be called the shut-up-and-sing argument. But basically the idea is that there are a lot of people out there who would prefer politics to be kept completely out of sports because they want it to be an escape from everyday life or they want it to be an arena where people can come together based on their mutual love of the game rather than being divided by the things that might set them apart in the outside world. And the people on the other side of that argument will say, look, you know, sports gives these athletes and broadcasters a, a platform, and they'd be wasting it if they didn't share their opinions. How do you think about that, Victor? Is it important that there be certain segments of society that are mostly walled off from politics? Yeah, I think it is, especially in our interconnected, hyper-cyber society. Um, we don't want to pick up a comic book and basically see Jorge Ramos in a cape and an S on his chest lecturing us about illegal immigration. We do not want to turn on the TV and get the same old boilerplate at the Emmys or the Oscars or go to the Hollywood and uh, turn on a movie, go to a movie and just see the same old uh, sort of Neanderthal, white, Russian, South African, uh, Confederate-type villains with a social justice warrior who's young and attractive fighting an evil corporation that's polluting or discriminating. It's all sort of tiring. And so I think that we're entering an age where most people feel that something like Circa Poland about 1955, dreary, monotonous, uh, sort of a weepy, uh, constant sermonizing, hectoring, pontificating, and they just are just tired of it. And they're looking for any aspect in their cultural lives that they can escape it, and they can't. And uh, that may explain why the left has lost the governorships, the state legislatures, the House, the Senate, the Supreme Court, and the presidency, because people are just, they're going to, they're punishing them for what they're doing to, to them. You've written that the NFL increasingly fancies itself as a progressive institution, but that that's sort of belied by the way that they actually do business day to day. Explain that. Well, I mean, they are sort of a monopoly, a trust, and they have a few very wealthy corporate types on top who are mostly white, and they have about a 75% African-American workforce, if I could use that term, and they have a lot of problems that are not very – they don't fit the liberal model. And for the rate of arrest every year, there's 50, 60 athletes that in the offseason are – either involved in drug infractions or serious misdemeanors, even felonies, especially the abuse of women we've seen in four or five high-profile cases. And uh, they really gouge the public. The costs are just astronomical, both for cable uh, viewing packages and, and to actually attend the games. So their business model is predicated that everybody's going to overlook poor sportsmanship, 
when they see it after a touchdown or obscenity or politicalization or the mega profits and the high cost. And that's an assumption that has to be true because they paid so much money out to these athletes that they can't afford to lose 10, 15, 20% of market share. And so that's what's happening to them. People have just said, you know what, it's the product is too expensive and I don't get any psychic benefit out of it anymore. And I'm just going to turn the channel. And it doesn't have to be 50. It doesn't have to be 30. It has to be about 15% to really hurt them. And I think that's what we're witnessing right now. I'm curious. We. I'm curious what you think the long-term trajectory of that backlash is. And I'm not just talking in terms of the NFL or even sports, but sort of the culture writ large because you have mentioned on this show in the past your sense that an increasing number of Americans are just sort of dropping out of mainstream popular culture. Well, what do you reckon are the social implications of that? Well, I mean the country is dividing geographically into red and blue states and – the Democratic and Republican parties are much more purist in their ideological uh, straitjackets. And so we're dividing as a country and we're not even participating. It can be almost like a civil war among families. And that's unfortunate, but it's largely due to the polarization, the politicalization of the left that just demands that if it can't win 51% of uh, the population in an election, then it's going to do it insidiously and by any means necessary. And that means, of course, they're going to change your vocabulary. You can't use the word illegal alien. You can't say the declaration that all men were created equal. Um, they're going to do it through transgender agendas. And what's even, I guess, the most frightening is what is today normative, like Barack Obama, let's say, in 2008, repeating again and again he believed in traditional marriage by 2012 was sort of new new rules on the animal farm barnyard wall which said okay gay marriage is now fine okay we can accept that but then by 2016 when he left office his position in 2008 was no longer you know permissible but it was homophobic and discriminatory and biased so the the trajectory is so rapid from being a minority position to an intolerant orthodoxy that that people are just stunned by it and they don't want any part of it and it's it's not just as i said it's the emmys it's the oscar it's hollywood it's the universities it's uh it's the nfl it's the nba i I was driving over to my office this morning and i really don't want to hear lebron james lecture me about (laughs) how how hard it is for him uh and this is a guy who has a talent to put a ball in a ring, and somehow he's parlayed that into a $200 million fortune. He's playing act, play acting as if he's some kind of victim, and he's in a largely African-American league whose audience is quite racially and ethnically diverse. And uh, he's almost complaining that he, he himself is a victim of some type of oppression. But the problem with the NFL and the, is that the NBA is there's a lot of victims, but they're running out of oppressors. Final question that I'll ask you. Uh, There was this arresting moment during last weekend's NFL games when there was a player by the name of uh, Alejandro Villanueva. This guy's an offensive tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He came out of the tunnel, and he stood alone for the national anthem, even when the rest of his team stayed off the field. And the important piece of context here, Villanueva is an Army veteran who did three tours in Afghanistan. And you and I have had conversations before on this show 
about the social ramifications of the fact that military service in America is now limited to a very small and a relatively homogenous segment of the population. How much do you think that that contributes to a moment like this one where these traditions that used to be treated as sort of essential acts of patriotic reverence like the national anthem are just sort of reduced to forums for political disputes? Well, I think it, it, was a, it was a stark reminder that everything you said is absolutely true. And here we have a, a apparently Hispanic American who risked his life on three occasions, three long tours, who did the brave thing. And by saying, I'm not going to listen to my coach and I'm not going to listen to 99.9% of my teammates, I'm going to go out and show my patriotism for 320 million Americans and the people I fought and died with or fought with and who died in Afghanistan. That's patriotism and that is bravery. And then we have this other bookend of Colin Kaepernick who did the politically convenient thing and became very well known once his talents sort of eroded on the football field. He became a social justice warrior and that was kind of the popular thing to do. And yet we call him a hero. And so it's a warping of, of our value system, and it's also, as you said, it's indicative that we don't have a very rich experience in things other than just popular culture and uh, entertainment. Sad commentary. All right. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Classicist Podcast. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, stop by Defining Ideas at hoover.org to read more of Victor's commentary. For Victor Davis Hanson, I'm Troy Sinek. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of the Hoover Institution. For more information about our work, please visit hoover.org.